Welcome to Breaking Bill, the podcast where we dissect the chemistry of Breaking Bad. I am Matt. I am James. And tonight we're joined by a special guest, the first guest and the only guest we're going to have in this limited... Did that Mercedes show up in the last episode? Yeah. Twist explain Breaking Bad to her. She's never seen it. We make her watch the last scene of the show. She's like, I don't know what's going on, but they weren't knitting at all on that. I didn't like it at all. You lied to me, Matt. <laughs> um, but yeah, tonight we are joined by our fellow Breaking Bad aficionado, Mr. John Lees. John, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Um, as I said, you're, like I said, other than James, you're really the only biggest Breaking, Breaking Bad fan that I know. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with the show. Um, yep. And I was obsessed before it was cool to be obsessed with the show. I, I, I loved this show back when it was on, like, in season one, and no one in the UK was watching it, and it got cancelled, and I had to pirate it to watch season three. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, because, like, we talked about in the first episode, like, the some of the ups and downs that I had to go through to watch the show uh, over the years after the first season, but you like it was you know you, like you I said you had the pirate history of what um the UK have had to go through with Breaking Bad season one aired on FX UK which is a pretty decent slot for it aired Sunday nights at ten pm which was fine got a lot of marketing beforehand season one did fine and then because it did quite well Channel Five for one of the big channels in the UK bought the rights to it but they then waited ages before showing season two and when they finally did show it they showed it on like their five usa sub channel and showed it without any advertisement stuck on like 1am and actually like, i was channel surfing late one night and i found like it was on episode nine of season two and they just started showing <laughs> no advertising and they showed it a different night every week like one week it was on like thursday at 1am and the next week it was on like tuesday at 11pm and there was just no rhyme or reason to it and then because and then after it was finished she said oh it had low ratings and then they just dropped it so like seasons three four and five were on in the UK and I had to go to a different less than legal means to find them and then I've, I've always said that if I was given a legal option to watch Breaking Bad within a decent time I would and then like for this last one of episodes Netflix UK have been screening it screening um, screening <laughs> screening it um, like the morning after so it's a very different experience for me while you guys are watching it a Sunday night I'll watch it on Monday morning where I'll get up in the morning I'll have my breakfast and then I'll sit in front of the TV with a cup of tea, and I'll watch the new episode of Breaking Bad to start my week. So it's quite a different experience. That that actually sounds pretty cozy, honestly. Nothing goes better with a cup of tea than, you know, meth and murder and mayhem, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I can take all that moral ambiguity before breakfast. I should pretend to, you know, should eat my cereal while I'm watching it, pretend to be Walt Jr. <laughs> You have to cook breakfast before you watch Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Just going back for a second, I like how in the UK they apparently treat any American show the same way the, the same way we treat Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It's just it's just on whenever. Yeah, yeah. Um, most channels do it well. Like you know, like Sky Atlantic do American shows great, but just Channel Five or the shit channel for it. Because like, if it's on Sky Atlantic, they have Game of Thrones and Mad Men and most of the big US shows. If it's on, if it's on the US on a Sunday, they'll air it on the Tuesday. You know, it's a really good, really close. You no know, market it all well, um, but in the FX, they're actually alright. They have like a month delay or something, but they have American Horror Story over here. They have Dexter. 
True Blood, um, and lots of other shows I don't watch. And then, um, but Channel 5 USA are just notoriously awful. They did that with um, Breaking Bad. Once upon a time, The Shield was owned by Channel 5, and I remember it was season 3. And in the middle of season 3, they stopped showing it for a solid month. So they could show cosmetic surgery live on that block instead. <laughs> also starring Michael Chan. Yeah, no, probably not. And the weird thing was, on a Saturday night they were showing it, and it was cosmetic surgery live. Before cosmetic surgery live, it was CSI repeats, and after it was law and order repeats. So why couldn't they replace any of the repeats to replace the new show? And only just recently, the latest acquisition is Sons of Anarchy, which is why we get it about a year late. Yeah, I remember you saying that a couple weeks ago, because I asked you about it. You said, maybe we'll get it sometime by 2020. Yeah. But but yeah, back to Breaking Bad. Obviously, I guess it stands without reason that you're a big Breaking Bad fan through the memes that you've went to make sure you get your fix. Yeah, I absolutely love this show. I've I've, got so many people converted onto it just by praising the show, bigging it up, getting them DVD box sets for Christmas. I've preach the values this show tumble in the face it is right now it is a toss up you know between like that and The Wire like for my favourite show of all time and probably although The Wire is maybe objectively better and more like you know prestigious TV I think in a purely subjective level I might actually be at the point where Breaking Bad is my all time favourite as long as it doesn't fuck up next week yeah just stick the landing please for the love of God stick the landing but um it turns out it was all an illusion inside the mind of Badger. <laughs> That's his fault. Along with his, yeah, along with his failed Star Trek script. Yeah. Um, but a wee, a wee, a wee interesting nugget for you while we're talking about strange finales. Last week you guys talked a lot about about Fi. Uh, you know the season three episode directed by Ryan Johnson. Do you guys know that that episode at the time was screened head to head against the Lost finale? Really. I know what I liked better. <laughs> I was okay with a lost finale, but yeah, no comment. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no comment on that. I've made my feelings on Lost known uh, quite a few times. It sucks. There, moving on uh, to the much better I think show. Smoke monsters are bullshit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Smoke monsters are indeed bullshit. Um, Either be something or nothing. You can't be in between. <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah, speaking of Breaking Bad, uh, the actual episode that we're here to break down is the latest episode from Breaking Bad, um, episode 514-607. We started with the six O's. We're committed to it to the very end, damn it. We don't care what AMC or Vince Gilligan say. Yeah. You know. this train doesn't well, I have to anything. say, I was listening to your, your podcast and the dissecting the chemistry is a mixed metaphor, isn't it? Since dissecting is done the biology. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, screw you, alright? You're a guest on this <laughs> yeah. podcast, man. Don't. <laughs> Don't come in here and piss on our kitchen floor. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, <clears throat> this episode, the penultimate episode, because I love saying that word, penultimate. I can't get enough of it. Penultimate, 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 penultimate. Penultimate. The penultimate episode of Breaking Bad, the next to last episode. This is one that we're breaking down, Granite State. And before we get into the scene by scene recap, overall, your thoughts on this episode. Uh, we'll start with you, John, since you're the guest. Love it, hate it, in between. Uh, I'm having a feeling that it's not going to be hated or in between, but what do you think? Well, 
it's pretty much a given that I love it. Um, this whole final run of episodes has been like a massive victory lap, where every like episode has been better than the last. But that for me came to head with Ozymandias, which um, is possibly the best episode Breaking Bad has ever done, which makes it one of the best episodes of TV ever. Um, so of course this episode wasn't quite up to that standard, but it was on its own merits, you know, and even my Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad merits, it was a fantastic hour plus of television. One interesting thing I noticed was there was very much a divide here because if you look at the final run of episodes so far, from see from episodes one through six, every episode picked up immediately after the last one ended, so for like a continuous stream of events. This one was the first time we've had like a jump in time, pretty much, or a gap, you know, where it yeah. feels like things have moved. So very much like us we've taken a step back. So things did cool down a little bit, but still a great out of television. Um, how about you, James? Oh, I thought I'm with John. I thought this not only uh, was this an amazing episode, I would put it on my list of like top ten favorite episodes or even top five. What I love specifically was just how much ground they were able to cover with just this one episode where it almost felt like a little short film mm-hmm. um yeah I, I guess i'm in the camp with you guys uh, i will say that after last week's episode with Ozzy mandeus i didn't necessarily expect this one to achieve actually this would be more slower paced uh, you know, more of an examination of what was going to happen. Almost, honestly, I was almost expecting a bit of filler to catch us up to the finale, just because you know, there's that big time skip forward that we need to cover by the end of this episode or by the end of this season. So I figured they'd do a lot of that, and they did, but they also did in a way that was entertaining, dark, and very, very depressing at a lot of points. It and had typical. its own arc to it too, which I love. Yeah. In typical Breaking Bad fashion, it was entertaining and disappointing. The only thing it missed was a catchy music montage. That was the only thing. I would have loved to see Walt pacing around his cabin while some quirky song played. But they and Walt and Robert Forster play cards while you know, that Motown hit plays. <laughs> or just just like you know Robert Forster and like Brian Cranston doing like the Rocky training montage. <laughs> Like, I, like, you know, you know, while Walt punching like the beef carcass and all Russell's holding it, yeah. and then they're jogging in the snow. I think if they ever do reboot Rocket, Robert Forster is a shoe in for that Burgess Meredith role. It makes perfect sense. But Robert Forster, <laughs> seems, like, <laughs> he seems like he can play anything. Because uh, halfway through this episode, when they showed all him doing stuff, I was like, you know what? Screw Bear Call Saul. I want to see a spinoff with this guy. I think that'd be. Yeah. I guess that's a good place repair. to like seek into the episode because the very first thing, the very first thing that I got in terms of impressions, the first reaction I had watching the show was, "Holy fuck, it's Robert Foster!" Because they kept that under wraps. Yeah. I never thought we'd see the guy that was like the disappearer, so it was really a great moment when we saw it was him. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, they kept that top secret." Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, actually, speaking of Saul in the episode, that's how this episode starts. I was because. I don't know if you guys were like me, but when it first happened, I was thinking, all right, this is going to be Walt, because, like you said, John, each episode is opened, or at some point, like, there's been very little or no time skips as each episode opens, and I thought this was going to be the case, that we'd see Walt uh, going on this car ride. But no, it's actually Saul who's getting ghosted away, because, I guess, 
obviously, when the net comes down on Walt, the attorney is going. His attorney is going to be the first place they look. So, um, Saul's getting out. Honestly, I really enjoyed that whole scene because last week, and I wrote a big review of Voice Mondays, and I said everyone got their great moment to shine. The only thing I was missing was I would have loved to have a nice climactic moment with Saul. I hope this isn't the last time we've seen him. Yeah. So it was nice to see Saul get this extended coda. It was just him and Walt. And I think this is going to be the last time we see Saul in the series. So it was nice to see him kind yeah. of go out and kind of extended moment to focus on him. Um, I, honestly, I was prepared to not see Saul again after, uh, I think it was that conversation he had with Walt uh in a couple of episodes ago, just because of the way this episode, last week's episode ended, I was like, well, you know, Saul, I guess, they're not going to show what happened to him, so, you know, it'd be fine. But, you know, I was pleasantly surprised that they that they left him in there. But, uh, and also I've got my fingers crossed that now, I hate that they announced Bear Call Saul was a, pro, was a prequel because I wanted to see Saul running a Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska. Hugh and Cubby are still there. Yeah. There is Clarks. We have to cook more cinnamon buns now. Let's go. Come on. I've, to- I've totally figured out what I want Better Call Saul to be, how what the story should be over the first season, right? The whole thing should be about Saul as this dirtbag lawyer who pretty much his job is to make sure that his cases never go to trial through, like, you know, wheeling dealing some way or another. So there's lots of standalone episodes, you know, where he just manages to, like, get a mistrial or get a case thrown out of court and in the background there's this case building up building up in the background and eventually builds up to this season finale where he has to actually go to court and it's like some kind of big huge high profile case and he's like you know this is my big moment I've got to go to court and I'm building up and building up he thinks it's going to be a cathartic thing where you know, he goes to court and he wins the case but instead like, he goes and he loses you don't even see the court case he just walks into the courtroom and it's like five minutes later and he comes back and goes well we tried <laughs> That'd be that'd be very that's, fitting of his character. That's the arc Saul <laughs> deserves. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Uh, so after Walt Walt and Saul are hanging out in in the uh, in the basement of the vacuum guys, uh, his place, and I thought it was kind of interesting that even though Walt's on the run and all this stuff. He's still trying to get his revenge on Jack and you know the uncles of Anarchy to uh, to kind of assassinate him. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because things seemed very climactic in the previous episode, and it's interesting to know that where even though it seemed as though Walt had given up, his mind is still on getting his money back. Yeah, that yeah, will always yeah. be what Walt's mind is on. Yeah, and do you think that was partially like denial for him? That he was, you know, because, like, you know, that's what Saul tried to tell him, you know, the writing's on the wall. There's no way that you could be able to do this ever again to come back. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed a total denial, and it seemed quite kind of pathetic to watch it, because you're watching this from Saul's perspective, and Saul's like, you know what the fuck you're talking about, and that's what you feel when you're watching it. I thought it was interesting, because Saul's not his lawyer anymore, and Saul kind of tries to talk to him like a human being and says, man to man, this is what I would do. And like, and Walt just totally disregards it. He can't recognize this. He's like, no, no, um, we're going together. You know, you're, you still work for me, and we'll figure something out. And he tries to pull the kind of intimidation stick he pulled at the start of season five, and he just falls apart because he starts in a coffin fit and things. And you realize then just how he looks and how much it's all just done. Yeah, I just love that line as he's walking out the door. You know, it's over, and that I think that would be yeah. pretty fitting. The last time we see Saul. 
Yeah, if you can't intimidate Bob Odenkirk, it's just time to give up. Yeah, I'd be happy to ask Mr. Saul because it means that he left the show alive and out yeah. of jail. Uh, unfortunately, the one character, uh, either him or Jesse, I've wanted. They're the only two characters I've wanted to make it out alive and unharmed. Um, but it looks good. It looked good for Saul, but You're Jesse. Marie dies. Yeah, yeah, Marie. I'm sorry, I can't tolerate kleptomania. I draw the line there. <laughs> but. Uh, Actually, speaking of Marie, I think after this, there's a scene of her going back to her house with her DA agent protectors. And, of course, the house has been ransacked because the Nazis have gotten there. Because no, a, I remember that last week. And I remember I had an oh shit moment like in the message board. And I'm saying, oh my god, what happens if like the Nazis invade the house and Marie's there and Marie gets killed as well? Um, but... As if the show couldn't get any more epic, the Nazis invade. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, yeah, because I think last week Jesse, you know, they went out of the way. Jesse said he told Todd and his uncle where Hank lived. So you know, I it, it wasn't it didn't it didn't end up as bad as I thought it was going to end up. But I thought like the whole family was going to get massacred. But uh, thankfully, yeah. they didn't do that. At least not, yeah. not yet, anyway. Yeah, the really time. cool thing as well was that when you watch it on Netflix, right? You know, Netflix always come over the episodes loading, they come with a little preview screen of the episodes. The preview screen of the episode for this episode was a man in a balaclava holding Skylar's mouth. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that too. Cause I was like, oh no, what is that? What is the context of this scene? I have no idea what's going on. But it turns out that was actually old Meth Damon himself, Todd. Uh, yeah, part of, I know, uh, speaking of Skylar though, like before that scene, what one thing I loved was the whole bit when she's at the court deposition and like they're all talking at her and she hears this ringing sound. It was oh, yeah, a total right. perfect mirror of the whole the scene in the first episode in the pilot when like Walt is listening to get found that he has cancer. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was. Yeah, I never nice made that connection. Back. Yeah, um, and actually, I think this is kind of interesting because it sort of shows like uh, I kind of felt like there was a theme in this episode that uh, the theme would be like the illusion of escape because, as we see last week, when Walt, Walt's telephone call thinks is going to exonerate Skylar from any kind of trouble, but it doesn't. She's still in trouble with the feds. And she still can face, you know, prosecution or whatever. Because I think later on in the episode they say the feds have seized the house, and I guess that's what that's what leads to uh, the, when we see in the flash forward with the ruined, condemned house. That and that's the sad irony because that's the thing Saul says. Like he said, he supposedly has got all this money for his family, and he can't get the money to his family, and they actually end up with less money than when he started because all of their assets have been seized yeah, on the repo. Exactly, because. That's what happens when you profit from drug money, kids. Remember that. <laughs> it's been a six-year-long after-school special. Yeah. Don't 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 sell and make drugs and don't snitch. That's that's what we've learned from Breaking Bad so far. Yeah. At the very end, Hank and uh, McGruff, the crime dog, are going to come out and talk to the kids about the dangers of selling drugs. Yeah. It's going to be like Reefer Madness. You know, somewhere out there, there's a meth head. Could be you or you or you, and they point at the screen or you. So that we we prefer heroin in Glasgow, so we're all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, after the the court deposition with Skylar, 
she goes back to her house and somehow or another, even though they can't shoot straight, the Nazis are apparently ninjas. They can break through DEA, you know, uh, protection and get into the baby's room. I don't, I don't know how, but, you know, they're, they're crafty Nazis, I guess. Don't underestimate them. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do you think, did you, were, you, were you guys like me where this scene plays out? There's like this feeling of dread in your stomach where uh, something bad could happen. Yeah. I was watching that and I was kind of thinking, is she going to say that she's definitely never said anything about Lydia and then they're going to shoot her once you know she hasn't talked, you know? And the funny thing is how stupid Todd's plan is because Skylar's probably forgotten all about Lydia and doesn't even know that she's important. And the fact that they've gone specifically to say, have you mentioned her? Suddenly she's thinking, oh my God, I should maybe say something about her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But I think as we see Todd... Todd's willing to do a lot for Lydia. Yeah. I mean, Todd... And let's just say Todd is one creepy, horrid fuck. I just hated him in this episode. And even when you see they're watching Jesse's confession tape and he gets to the bit where they're talking about Todd murdering this little boy in cold blood and he's sitting smirking when he's watching it. Yes, I know. I I wasn't sure if, if I was on that notice. Yeah, he is on the verge of smiling when he talks about shooting a little boy, and Jesse's talking about shooting a little boy in the head. Yeah, he's like a little kid who's in trouble. There was this little moment as well, like, you know, where Uncle Jack's watching this, disgusted, and you think for a second there's a glimmer of humanity in there, and he's angry because Todd killed a little boy and he didn't know about it. And then, like, you know, instead it turns out he's not angry about that, he's angry about Jesse for ratting about it. Yeah. And it, he's, you know, he's after that he's prepared to go kill Jesse. But Todd once again intervenes. He wants to keep making meth, and What's because he's got a little, yeah, he's got a little crush on Lydia and Jack. That's what one thing I kind of find very fascinating about Jack. Even though he's this horrible neo-Nazi kind of character, he still cares very much about Todd and kind of wants to indulge him and stuff. And as Pretty much last episode showed that's going to be his downfall when he should have dealt with Walt, you know, when they were out in the desert. But he didn't because Todd likes and respects Walt. And like I said, that's what's going to end up being his undoing. Yeah. Well, we, we know from the past, our past dealings, like, you know, that Walt is pretty much still alive today because he likes to cash in and people taking mercy on him, like coming back to kill them. Yeah. But, um,. The whole, that whole, what was that whole scene like? You know, it was talking about uncomfortable viewing where, like, Todd is at the restaurant to meet Lydia and he's dressed like Walt. And then, yeah, you have that whole skin crawling thing where Lydia's sitting with her back to him and, like, Todd keeps on reaching out his hand to touch her back and pulling it away again. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. That, that's, like, the worst case of friend zone I've ever seen, honestly. <laughs> that happens in every date I go on. It's just like, you know, the date comes and says, no, I'm going to say this. You have to sit off. back to back with the girl. She yeah. doesn't want to be seen. They don't even they don't even sit down the next table. They just keep on walking when they see me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just thought of that. And I, just, I like, for me, Lydia is just a horrible, horrible villain in... A really nasty person, but she's a really like scary, creepy like villain in a totally different way from Gus. Because Gus was obviously ice cold and calculating. Lydia is just as ruthless, 
but has it all under this veneer of being dead nervous and shaky and hyperactive and you you think she's less evil because she has you know like exterior being like a fragile woman and she doesn't want to look at all the horrible bodies that she's caused to get piled up you know but she like is stone cold ruthless at the whole bit like you know when they say well like you know Skylar's not going to be a problem and she's like no but she's seen my face so you know we should take care of her and she doesn't have the guts to even say you know kill her which is like you know something should be done all these like I know metaphors and things like that yeah exactly the fact, like you said, the fact that she's not willing to do her own dirty work is, you know, I guess, makes her worse in a way. Yeah. I don't, I, I would assume so. Yeah, but. there's a definite pettiness about her that, as you were saying, separates her completely from other characters like Hank and Gus. Yeah, because at least Gus, she felt like he killed Jack. someone was for a reason. You know, it was like you know, for a code, for you know, like following some kind of code or for like a big reason or to do something important. Lydia has her little petty reasons, her own little paranoia and things, and not wanting any loose ends. Yeah, Lydia is just ruled by selfishness and fear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and going back to Todd for a second. The impression I really get from him in this episode and what makes the scene with Skylar in particular so scary is he just doesn't seem like he has the slightest grasp of the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. It's like the scene with Skylar, he's like, he really does think he's just giving her a message and it's all friendly. Yeah, he's so polite, which makes even the less great and horrid politeness to everything he does, even when it's like killing people. Yeah. And, like, that whole scene, I was trying to think, like, all right, we know something's wrong with Tide, but because the way the media portrays stuff and the the reality of stuff, is Tide a psychopath or a sociopath? I can't figure out exactly because I can't remember what the difference is between the two. A sociopath would be uh, not being able to feel any empathy for anyone yeah. else. That's not, a psychopath, not, I believe, isn't that is a psychopath? Someone not feels being able to tell the difference between right and wrong. Because I think a, a, I'm, I'm a not... sociopath is someone, like, you know, with violent tendencies and things, and like, can, like, you know, maybe a mental deficiency. It's like, you know, like, drug dealers can be sociopaths, you know, or, like, you know, or mass murderers, and, you know, or gangsters can be seen as sociopaths. But a psychopath is, like, much more, like, totally, like, devoid of any connect, any emotional connections with anybody. I think he's much more like a, so, you know, a psychopath. For me, like, Walt's a bit of a sociopath, but, you know... Todd's pure psychopath. Maybe it's like the root word. Yeah. The like sociopath can be like, you know, whereas... just, you know, driven by rage or anger, you know, or like actual emotions. We just like, you know, psychopaths have the emotional disconnect. Yeah. Maybe. Because, like, you know, I was thinking too, like, with Walt's need to effortlessly lie all the time, that could be sociopathic behavior. Uh, without falsely lies. But, uh, anyway, this isn't about psychology. Although. <laughs> All these characters need some sort of therapy, but... We'll uh, do the Off the Meds podcast later. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, while Todd is running around with his crushes on media, threatening babies and mothers... Slinging ice cream at people. Uh, slinging ice cream at people. Wild and uh, Ben and Jerry is all willy-nilly. Uh, but the, the, the character who's always been like this, but especially these last few episodes, the dog of Breaking Bad that Vince Gilligan loves to kick any chance he gets. Jesse is still, you know, in that hole. No hope. 
no light at the end of the tunnel, just nothing but him cooking meth day in and day out. Um, he gets a little hope, actually. Is there, is there anything more depressing than watching message board conversations with people who think Walt is just the best and they just think and they just turned on Jesse because he's a rat and it's like snitches get, you know, stitches and they just put him right, you know, and they're just watching this episode and they're going, it's great what's happened to Jesse, he's getting his just desserts for being a rat and betraying Walt. It's like, really, can you watch this and that's, think, you know, good on them? Yeah. That's really creepy. That's something that I, I didn't think about it, but I saw, I think, some some critic reviewed the episode. They talked about when the Nazis are watching Jesse's confession and they're belittling him, saying, you know, all this pussy's going to do is cry, you know, and make fun of him and laugh at him. They said that was, someone said that was sort of the people of Breaking Bad trying to show, like, the, the bad Breaking Bad fans, like the people who root for Walt and do that stuff with Jesse called Skylar a bitch. That kind of thing. That was them sort of representing that population of the Breaking Bad fan base. I definitely see that. Which, if if that was their if yeah if that was their plan, that was I think that was pretty clever. But uh, you're all neo Nazis. <laughs> every single one of you. Um, but yeah, when they, they say you're worse than Hitler, they mean. That. <laughs> um, but but yeah, back to uh back to Jesse. Like I said, he finds a paperclip with that picture of Brock and Andrew, and he looks like he's got an escape plan. He picks out of his locks and using the power. Uh, ben and Jerry's ice cream. He's able to leap up onto that cage, and I gotta say, props to Aaron Paul because that looked mostly like that was him. I didn't think that was a stuntman doing that. Um, he's got a he's got a good core, good core when he works out. But um, he gets he's got out. Those meth muscles. <laughs> he um he he gets out of the cage and starts running. And again, as I said, sort of the illusion of escape. He thinks he's going to be free, but. There's barbed wire fence all over the compound. They've got cameras, and they catch him without even even breaking a sweat. And that whole scene just, was just terrible for me to watch. Like my heart was beating. I was shouting the screen, "Go, go, no, don't go, no, no!" And I'd never do this from watching something, but that moment where he jumped up onto the fence and the bikers ran out, I had to pause the screen and walk away. I just thought, like, no, I can't watch this. I don't know, you almost feel like a little kid watching it. Like, he's going to get away, he's going to get away. I mean, I, I, I was actually expecting them. That I was, like, really terrified because I was actually watching this. I was thinking, they're going to hobble him or something, you know, do something to his legs to stop him from running. That's what I was thinking was going to happen. Uh, Instead, but, they did something much, much yeah. worse. And b- b- before that, you know, there's that great moment where Jesse, you know, they, again, they're very... Uh, precise with where they drop death bombs in this show but there's jesse like just screaming that they're going just fucking kill me already you know you psychos uh i mean he just he's a character at this point me personally i feel like just just go ahead and put him out of his misery and yeah, which you know someone would at least but they don't do that like like you said james they do something much worse and todd shows up at andrew's door and uh, mm, I don't even you know you you know what happens. Yeah. See that. I just say I I don't do this very often, but I gasped audibly when yeah. that happened because it goes so much against convention and stuff. We're so used to like you know love interests being held up as like you know 
potential victims if the good guy doesn't do what they're asked. And even when Todd showed up at her door, I was thinking, oh, so they're going to kidnap Andrea to make him, like, work? Yeah. I wasn't expecting this yeah. to kill her on the spot. I was shocked when that happened. I just, like like you said, I thought, if anything, this was just going to be another threat to Jesse to prove to him that they could do this if they wanted to. But no, they, I guess, from another great episode of Breaking Bad, there's no such thing as half measures with these guys. And they and shoot. it's just such a and... crude, stupid thing to do that you don't see it coming. Yeah. It's like, what, they're just going to fucking shoot her and leave her there? Poor Brock. First his brother dies, then he gets poisoned, now his mum's dead. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, really. Just, just jet being acting in that scene when he's screaming again and ha- hammering his head against the window. That was just horrifying to watch. You felt like you were there and you were him. Yeah. yeah it's like, how much more can they torture Jesse? Like, how much more misery can this human being take? Yeah, I mean, take? I really hope that Jesse gets some kind of, like, catharsis or comeback to all this. Because pretty much this whole, like, season has been hit, or this whole last one of episodes has been, like, him just getting, like, his, you know, been under the thumb of Walt and under the thumb of Hank. And now, like, more than just under the thumb, just being battered down by these Nazis and, like, his bill getting crushed. And I'm willing to, she's the person I'm willing for more than anybody. I want him to be the one, he has to be the one that kills Todd, seriously. Like, you know, he has to get his chains around his neck and just snap, yeah. snap his throat. And I kind of want him to kill Walt as well. Hmm. Yeah, I would, I would probably say, yeah, for karmic reasons, because that's something that... People have talked about that. If anyone is going to get out of it, I mean, or well, he's not going. To, obviously, he's not going to get out of it undamaged. But if anyone's going to make it out alive, it's got to be Jesse because Jesse is the guy that all the see every season. He's the guy who's getting beat up by the drug dealers. He's the guy Walt has to send to kill Gail. He's the guy dealing with emotional aftershock of dealing shooting, killing someone, and he's the one that gets sent to Mexico to become, you know, to work for the cartel. <laughs> I mean, Walt has not had any comeuppance until, like, this episode. This is this, and last week when he wanted Tank Dive, was the closest he's come to getting what he deserves. And But Jesse's just, you know, went from karma being a bitch to just being karma's bitch, essentially. And how, mu- how much must you hate Walt now, where, um, first Walt confesses to him last week that, you know, he watched Jane die and could have saved her and didn't, so he caused Jane's death. And when the, the Nazis know about Andrea, know where she lives and go and kill her. Obviously Jesse thinks, well, the only person that could have known to tell them where Andrea lives is Walt. So Jesse now has Walt to blame for the deaths of both his loves. Yeah, exactly. Um but uh I think after Andrew's killed, I think for the next part of this episode is focused just on Walt and Again, there's that thing about, like I said, the illusion of escape. Walt has made his escape. He's thousands of miles away from Albuquerque, but he's very much in prison, a prison of his own making in the ways. He's stuck in that cabin, wasting away from cancer. Nothing to keep him company but his money. Which for years is always what I thought was the ending that Walter White deserved. 
Yeah. Just alone and dying with his yeah. money. Because for me, yeah. I was expecting when he went when he went off like in witness protection or witness protection, but when off to the vacuum cleaner guy, I was expecting he would actually get set up with a new life somewhere far away. He'd have a cover identity. He'd be able to use his money to have a comfortable life, and he'd like you know have a cover identity and actually be out in the world somewhere far off. But the fact that he was actually reduced to pretty much a prison cell out in the middle of nowhere that he couldn't escape from, you know, he just he could never, he couldn't get any further than the gate. Like, he might as well have been in jail. It was just, like, a horrible existence. Yeah. And I think that's sort of what would come into play uh, later with his plan. Uh, well, before that, there's that awesome scene with Robert Forster where, you know, Walt, so desperate for any kind of human contact, he'll pay the vacuum cleaner guy ten thousand dollars to play cards with them for an hour. That was, that was and I just thought I'd pay ten I'll be pay ten thousand dollars to spend two hours with me <laughs> and Robert Foster replies one it, hour. Yeah. And he takes it because he's in no position to bargain. You know, he's got all the money, but that money's not doing him any good at this point. I mean he has he could have at least stayed to watch Mr. Magorium's Wonder uh-huh. for him. Like, yeah, twice. They've got but, two copies. But I, love, Use it. Um, I like that his character is a fan of that. Movie. One touch I loved is everyone's got the whole thing, oh, Heisenberg is a super badass and stuff. So I love they had this whole play where they put on the hat and they can imagine all the fanboys are going, oh, Heisenberg's coming out to play. Puts on the hat and walks out the door and they can't leave. He's like, well, I'm just going to go back inside and get tomorrow. Yeah. And... Then there was the thing where he couldn't even make it, you know, to the driveway without being winded yeah. because he's going through chemo, which, again, Robert Forrest, what can't this guy do? He can smuggle you out of the state. He can get you supplies. He can buy land for you. He can even do chemo for you. You know, watching a few videos on YouTube, he knows how to run chemo through somebody. Uh, like I said. a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but a seven-year-old man like said, is quite tech-savvy, yeah. isn't he? Like, he knows how to Photoshop. He can go on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. He also is expert in making fake IDs. You're right. Damn, but this guy's good. I thought that... he's he's better than Gus Fring. He's the real mastermind of the show. <laughs> I thought it was a great touch when um, it was a great exchange. Just when like Walt says, "One of these days you're going to come up here and I'm going to be dead. Um, can you promise me that you'll get my barrel of money to my family?" And, like, World Force is just totally pragmatic, says, you know, if I said yes, would you believe me? And obviously Walt wouldn't, you know, because, like, of course he's going to keep the money for himself. So, like, this money's not yeah. going to go to go to his family, you know, is it? That's right. Um, I think I saw someone say that there should be a, there should be a TV show with Robert Forrester and Jonathan Banks as two no-nonsense cops. And <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that show, honestly. The Vanisher. Yeah, just just you know, every episode they argue over who gets to drive, and Jonathan makes like keys, scumbag, give me the keys, and he doesn't understand what he's talking about. But uh, uh, the show would obviously be them as two former cops in a retirement home. Yeah, it would still be riveted in TV. Doesn't it? Just it'd be the two. It could be the two of them watching TV. <laughs> I would watch that. Just um, them watching Breaking Bad each week. Yeah. Um, but, let's see, All right, after that... He had a whole moment went to the bar, and he called Walt Jr. Yeah. Be called um, but before that, yeah, yeah, I noticed that he going by Flynn, and they also mentioned earlier in the episode that Skylar's going by her maiden name. Yeah. 
for legal reasons. I was interested reasons. in that until um, the very end, like, you know, you have lots of people talking about, like, the crazy explosion about the Heisenberg, how it's all over the media, you have Walt reading the newspaper, you have people talking about it, but you don't really see any of the impact of that in the wider world. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, I guess it would be like, uh, I guess, like any other case in the news, there's a, you know, there's a hundred news stories a day, which, I mean, while it's interesting, it's just not going to be, it's not going to make a dent compared to, like, bigger news stories, I don't think, but it still makes enough news that, uh, well, well, we don't, well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, uh. interesting thing was, going back to the first scene with Robert Forster telling Saul, well, your face is all over every billboard, so it'll take me two or three days to move you. Oh, Walt, he's been here a week. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. I, I didn't think about that, but um, but that was still like early on. In this point, we're a few months removed from the fact into when, when Walt's New Hampshire, so maybe that could be you know his news fades and stuff. But uh, but yeah, uh, I guess to me the way I took it was he was kind of fed up with. As you know, as we said earlier, he's essentially in a prison already. So he decides to turn himself in and send some money to his his family because, as he says later, if he doesn't, if they don't get their hands with that money, then all this stuff will be in his eyes. It would be pointless. There'd be no, you know, point to him doing all cooking all this meth, killing all these people. There, you know, all this violence would have no point yeah, to it if he couldn't leave so something to his family. When he says to Walt Jr. on the phone, "This can't be for nothing." It's just like so heartbreaking and so raw. And yeah. as that's the very last scene we ever see of Walt Jr., it was a hell of a last scene for him to go out on. Yeah, which you know is something that, like I said, it, it took him a while to get to get to show his acting. But these past two episodes, uh, R.J. Mitty, who plays uh, Walter Jr., has been. Knocking out of the park when he gets the chance to. Yeah, because it, uh, it feels so convincingly like what a teenage boy would act like if he went his dad, yeah. but just like this monster. You know, when he starts screaming at him on the phone. I love the, the callback when it was the principal from like the school from back in the early seasons. Yeah. still there. Um, and like, yeah, just the whole scene just like starts shouting like, I wish you were dead. It's just it's so painful because this is the one person who Walt wanted to protect from the truth of who he was. Um... And now, like, he just sees him as this, like, monster. And the thing is, he sees him as someone... Yeah. And the reason he sees him as a monster because he thinks he killed Hank, which is the one thing that Walt didn't do after all the horrible things that he did get away with. Which, after... is, when you think about it, he really did kill Hank. Yeah. Because none of that would have happened if it weren't directly. He didn't physically, like, actions. shoot him. Yeah. But I do think that is very much the, the tragedy of the situation that the... Like I said, all the shit that he's done, it's the one thing he didn't physically do that, you know, is really the big sticking point with his family. To them, that's where he, he crossed the point of no return. But, like I said, he didn't physically do it, but, you know, he did call in the guys who did kill him, so yeah. he's very much culpable yeah. in that regard. But well, um, very much like he's caused everything, he's ruined everything around him. I read this great assessment of Breaking Bad that said Breaking Bad now is like... Uh, it's a Wonderful Life in reverse, where it just shows you how <laughs> is, all these people's lives would have been so much better if Walt was dead. Like, you know, Skylar and Walt would be happy together, like Hank would be alive, you know, Gus would be running like a safe, sensible drug business with, you know, very little collateral damage, you know, and few unnecessary deaths. Jesse might be gainfully employed by Gus by this point, you know, it's just... <laughs> 
<laughs> Mike would be alive. Saul wouldn't be on the run. He'd be happily running his law firm, which is like everybody like is ruined by Walt's presence. Yeah. If only there had been that one bullet in the gun at the end of episode one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, want, I just want them to flash back to like the events of that first episode where Jesse finds Walt's gun and shoots at a snake or something. Yeah. And that's the butterfly effect yeah. that causes everything. Can you imagine if this uh-huh. is how the series ended? You know, like, in that first episode, you had that moment where he's at the car park, and he looks at the sexy woman getting out of his car, and he's kind of staring at her, then he kind of get, takes a funny turn and passes out, and he goes in the ambulance, and he, and he finds out he has cancer. What happens if in the season, in this series finale, like, you get this crazy dramatic moment where he's in the gunfight or whatever, you know, and he's about to die, and suddenly he wakes up in the car park floor, and he just passed out in the first episode, it was all a dream. I would say you would you would probably be able to hear me yelling bullshit all the way from Scotland. <laughs> and happens. he's like, you know, well, I guess I, that's what happens if he starts pass. to have bad thoughts. So I wouldn't be breaking bad for sure. <laughs> Back to watching yeah. the car wash. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a joke, but I think that the biggest theme of the show has always been the butterfly effect. Yeah, like and season two was. Season two was essentially like a you know thirteen episode butterfly effect, you know. And I've always legitimately wondered if at the very end they are going to show that one moment that where everything can be traced back to, because so far it's the one part of the story that's kind of missing. Yeah, the one moment that exactly said like you know. Um, the interesting thing is that, and you know, I suppose we'll get into this in a bit, but the whole fact is the Walt. It's not like Walt was this nice good man who was turned evil by, like, you know, getting into the drug trade. They, they kind of suggest that he's always been resentful and kind of felt like he was cheated out of his due with the world because of the whole thing with grey matter. And that's been the kind of thing that's been eating away at him all this time. And you see it right in the very first scene you see Walt when he gets up in the middle of the night and he's working his little treadmill in the first episode in season one and he's just looking at this wall of trophies that's facing them, like, you know, all the things he could have been, you know. And that was the kind of germ behind it all almost. They wanted the empire business. And he wants to try and make something yeah. of himself. Yeah, he he was he was robbed of that glory and that money, so he tried to get it by other means. I guess that um, takes us into the last scene where you know Walt's yeah. like given up. He's called the police, thinks he's going to go to jail, and he sees this news report with um with Gretchen and Elliot from Grey Matter. Yeah, and see, the shorts is their own Charlie Rose, yeah. I believe. And and they pretty much tried to distance themselves from Walter White by saying he had very little to do with the company. He, he contributed nothing about the original ideas. The only thing he gave us was the name and nothing else. <laughs> and you can just see uh, Walt's face kind of going. But for me, I think people are kind of misreading that because people might re- watch that scene and they think that that means he's going for revenge on Elliot and Gretchen. I don't think so, because no. you watch it, after yeah. that they say, you know, what really gets his reaction going is they say, and now we're here in the port, the Blue Met is still on the street, so Heisenberg must still be on the loose. And at that point you realise that yeah. Walt realises that Jesse's still cooking. To me that was very subtle. Like, I almost didn't catch that when they said it, just because I was focusing on what the Schwartzes were saying, and if I didn't think about what what Charlie Rose said about the actual meth being still active and running through Albuquerque, the Southwest, and even Europe. Yeah, so that tied so, in Luddy as well, and he knows Luddy is involved then. Yeah. Yeah, I um, think it's that, and also their insistence that you know, Walter White has to be gone. Yeah, oh, that was a great yeah, thing. Which is a notion Walter's never been able to live with. No, Heisenberg always lives. There will always be a Heisenberg. I just loved that there was a perfect last line 
for the second, this second last episode because it ties so much into some of the themes that we've been talking about and how Walt's gone and only Heisenberg remains. And it was just the fact that it was like, what was the line? Um, the sweet, kind, gentle man I knew, knew must be long gone, which kind of sets up this thing that Walt was good once, but also that that wall is nowhere nowhere to be seen anymore. You know, he's changed forever. He can't go back. He can't be who he was. And like I say, it's, it's like it's the right way it said right back in the very first episode that chemistry is the study of change. You know, and chemical changes are irreversible. And like last week's episode in the, in the pre-credit sequence, when you saw them in like the trailer, like in the flashback to episode one, and Walt said um, that you know there's nothing to do now but wait. The reactions already started. Like, so again, like, you tied into the butterfly effect where, like, you know, everything's all just, like, part of this chemical reaction of change, you know, that's been set in motion yeah. from way back when, and it's all just coming to a head now. You just had that sense of finality. And then when you got to that amazing final moment when the police come and the Breaking Bad theme kicks in, it's the first time we've heard <laughs> it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got a, I think I got a boner, or a half boner, at yeah. least, when that happened. Because I never, I don't think I've ever heard it all the way through. No, like that. I, I was like, thinking that as well. Version. I was thinking we've never heard this before. This is goosebump stuff. Yeah, I want somebody on the internet to replace the Breaking Bad theme there in that scene to, with I Am the Doctor. It's the same moment. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, shit's on. Yeah, but I yeah. I, yeah, I, I love that, that final shot where the police come in and the you know they show the shot glass and there's the money on the bar, but Walter White is nowhere to be seen. And Vince Gilligan, you've done it again, you bastard. <laughs> um... But but yeah, that was that was pretty much that was all the episode. Uh, I wonder, and looking back, because some of the people, some of the, I've seen a few complaints, mild complaints about this episode. That some people felt this feels more like the first part to a two part episode, which to me there's nothing wrong with that because of the especially the stuff with Walt in the cabin and Robert Forster, all that stuff, and even. Freaking Todd killing Andrew. There's a lot of good stuff in this episode. I don't think it necessarily works as well as the previous episode with it. Because the previous episode, some of the interactions and the stuff that happened in this episode, uh, you can almost essentially watch like the pilot or the first few episodes of the first season and watch Ozymandias without having seen any of it in between and get a good idea of what's going on as a standalone episode, I almost feel like, me personally. But... This one maybe didn't work as good as that, but it was still, like I said, very enjoyable. Um, wasn't the best episode of Breaking Bad, no, but it was one of the better ones, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, you can't really hold it against this episode for being essentially a Fallout episode. Yeah. You can have... Like back, said, if we're going to have a crazy balls to the wall finale, and, and they had that last week's crazy episode, you need to have something down to them in between to both yeah, examine the aftermath of that episode yeah, you need a decompress and set the stage for... The next episode, yeah. and, like, and I think that's like writing one hundred and one. You just need the you need the breather yeah. moment before shit really Absolutely. gets real. And this felt like the perfect timer for the finale. Like you know, you can't not you can't what it's physically impossible to watch that episode there and get to that ending and not think I fucking can't wait for this finale. It's set up an amazing finale, I think. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, just there's just. What, 57 minutes left? Because I think that's about how much... Because I think this episode was about 57 minutes once you take out all the commercials. 
Um, what was it on Netflix? Because I know you don't have commercials. Do you know how long it was, John? I didn't keep track. I didn't keep track. I think it was something around 50-odd minutes. Because I remember at one point I paused okay. it like 22 minutes and it was like 33 minutes remaining or something like that. So I think it was somewhere around 57 minutes. So we'll just yeah, say... The episode this... ran another, an extra 15 minutes, I remember. Yeah. So we've got another hour, at least around another hour left before the show's is finished. Fini. I was so uh, disappointed the finale is not going to be two hours long. I cannot believe yeah. it's over. I, I kind of feel really sad, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, on one way, I'm really looking forward to this finale. But the other time, I'm really dreading it. I've never felt with any show, even some of my favourite shows, I've never got to a finale and felt more like, oh my god, this is the last episode. It can't be ending, you know. It's going to be amazing. I can't. I can't think of another series where I was getting to the last episode and everything felt right. It's normally, normally hmm. with the last season, you're like, oh, no, I, I, I think, I think there's this. been some seasons that's done their last season's great. I think The Shield had a amazing last I mean, season. Uh, yeah, that last, especially The Shield's last episode. They stuck the landing on that last episode. It's so great that, you know, I think, for me anyway, Breaking Bad is definitely in the running, but... For as far as like satisfying season finale well, or season channel finale, the shield fucked out as well because they split this the you know <laughs> channel five split the final episode of the shield in two separate episodes where for uh, what yeah like you know spoiler alert um if you've not seen the shield stop listening now but um when you watched it in channel five for us the whole bit like Vic's confession was the third last episode. And the second last episode ended with, like, Shane's death. And then it went away for a week. And the following week it came back with, like, everything from the finale after Shane's death or the end. So, it sounds like these people are the same people who now run AMC. Splitting things up like like, like crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was just totally ridiculous. And frustrating to watch, I think you can imagine. But, yeah, other than that, though, Shield, the Shield did an amazing finale. And I actually think The Wire had a really great finale. I mean, Season 5 wasn't as great as Season 4 and 3, but in terms of bringing everything to a reward and conclusion, everything coming full circle, I think they did a great job yeah. in the ending. That montage, though, that montage was yeah. great. But, uh, but yeah, um, before we go into the finale, I guess, are there any predictions you guys have, or... Do you just want to sit back and enjoy the ride, not really think about what comes next? These last, this last episode. See, I kind of feel torn because I don't, and I kind of like, you know, don't want to predict anything because, like, it's something you know you can try and guess. It's always so totally off base, and this show's always two steps ahead of everybody. But on the other hand, like a couple of weeks back, like before Ozzy Mandis, after episode five, I totally called the bite the Nazis capturing Jesse and like making him cook, you know, and using Andrea and Brock to threaten him. And yeah, I think everybody was yeah, kind of you know, yeah, yeah. like you that. know, and then I, but I didn't want to predict it because I thought you know, no, I don't walk them wrong, you know. So there is some kind of fun and satisfaction seeing if you can guess the right thing. But I guess what to expect from next week, of course, is going to be crazy Scarface type action. I think it's a given that Walt's going to go with his big assault rifle. He's going to go after the Nazis, um, and possibly Lydia as well. I think the ricin tablet is probably intended for him once he's finished. Whether or not he uses it or not, I guess we'll see. Um, I think it'd be interesting. I'm not. I think this is probably highly unlikely, but I kind of think it'd be kind of awesome if, like, the big going out in a blaze of glory thing all happened in like the first fifteen minutes of the episode, and then like the last, the end of it was always the aftermath of Walt's death after him going down with this. Huh. That would be interesting, just to focus on the family. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I was thinking about, maybe the Ricin 
is for Lydia some kind of way because I've noticed that the times we've seen her, they've been drawing a lot of attention to the fact that she likes drinking tea. Uh, maybe the chance for Walt to slip the ricin in some kind of way. I don't know how. I think it's to do something maybe like, like you know, Walt goes after Lydia first, maybe. So they're going to have to find out where their operation is. And he goes to find her. She's like, please don't kill me, blah, blah, blah. Tells them, tells Walt where to go to find the bike, you know, to find, you know, Uncle Jack's gang. And then, like, Walt puts the ricin in her tea. And she drinks it and pops the clogs, and then like that, that would actually that, that that would be cool just because you know Lydia thinks she's gotten away and she's you know she's not going to get hurt and she dies two weeks later yeah and yeah, that'd, that'd be perfect yeah or, or even if it did, even if it did something like to be extra cruel and after she's drunk it tells her that she's been poisoned is like you know be, you will be dead for another two weeks enjoy it. He throws down a smoke tablet. Heisenberg away! <laughs> What'd you say? You fed me rice and beans? What? I don't know. And then you have, and then I said the, the big showdown. I kind of hope that it isn't like, you know, Walt single-handedly kills all the bikers. I keep on calling them bikers. I they call them bikers. Kills all the Nazis. And then finds Jesse chained up and rescues him. You know, I'd much rather have something happen where Jesse gets some agency in this as well, where maybe Walt's out killing Uncle Jack and co. Meanwhile, in the lab, Jesse uses the commotion to, like, kill Todd and bludgeon him his face to death and scream, BITCH, one last time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, another theory, I think there's some merit to, I mean, I don't know if they could work it, but I think a couple of episodes ago, another thing that I drew attention to was kind of the fact that, like, Jack and his buddy, like, when they're around the chemicals and stuff in the lab, they don't wear the gas masks. Because uh, Todd, I think, said something to him about it. And that would be kind of cool to see maybe Jesse, in, inspired by Walt, using some science to to try to take take them out. Well, you know, he builds a robot. Wouldn't it be crazy that if, like, Jesse did that and used, like, some science to take out all the Nazis you know, and killed them all off, and, and Walt shows up with his big machine gun, and they're all already dead, and it's just Jesse standing there going, what up, bitch? Or he's riding a robot, you know, I wrote, I built a robot, bitch! <laughs> uh, his name's Brock Jr. I, I just kind of hope that, <laughs> really kind of, something in me really wants to see Jesse be the one that kills Walt, and I would love if it was something like they had this big face-off, and Walt has his big excuse ready, and just starts like, Jesse, just just about to give a big monologue, and Jesse just shoots him in the face before he can see it. Yeah. I've got the creeping suspicion that the ricin might end up being for Jesse. That might be quite brutal, but I can hmm. see that happening, actually, because, because it's been so closely tied into Jesse all these seasons. Like, him having the ricin yeah, cigarette, or, like, you know, back in season two, when, like, Walt told Jesse about the ricin, I could see something like that happening. Yeah, the yeah. ending that I'm kind of dreading is that you know, Walt comes, they have the a big showdown with the Nazis where you think that maybe things are square between them, but then like the last scene is you saying that Walter gave Jesse the rice and credits. What happens if they have a scene right where you see something like, you know, Jesse's freed from the bikers, you know, ever not the bikers just kinda come of it. Jesse's free from like, Uncle Jack <laughs> and the Nazis and you see Walt put a ricin in a drink 
then he walks up with two drinks, his drink and Jesse's drink. You don't know which one he's put the icing in, and they both sit against the sunset and both take a drink. You don't know what who the icing's for. Is it for Walt? Is it for Jesse? You just fade out, not knowing. Uh, ambiguity. <laughs> um, Never go up against a meth head whenever death is on the line. <laughs> and don't engage in land war in Asia. Uh, so that was learned. Walt's second mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if you guys don't have anything else, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, do y'all have anything else to say? Breaking Bad's fucking awesome. Breaking Bad is fucking awesome. I'm glad one of us said it. Yeah. Well, I, I just figured the fact that we've done, what, six, or this is the seventh, you know, pretty much episode where we say as much over the course of like an hour, so. But we didn't say the else. words, Matt. Say the words. We should probably also James. note um, a brief note congratulations both to um, oh, Anna yeah. Gunn mm-hmm. for winning Best Actress at the Emmys, our Best Supporting Actress at the Emmys, rather, and um, the show itself, Breaking Bad, winning Best whole... Drama. Yeah. Yep. Even though Brian Cranston is fucking robbed uh, by Jeff Daniels. I, I don't know in the, in the same. I mean, I don't want in the same way with the support and actor category. I don't want Boardwalk Empire, but I'm surprised Aaron Paul or Jonathan Bakes they didn't win Emmys. But you know, it is what it is. Would have been great if whenever uh, Brian Cranston was snubbed, they just cut to him in the audience and he's just staring down just like Daniel's body yeah. revenge. Um. Denied if, an empire yet again. It's just, it's just this kind of weird thing with the, with the Emmys where they're just they're so in awe of Hollywood. Whenever, like, you know, a quote unquote real star comes to the lowly TV show, they have to give them a award just for showing up. Like, you know, because I've seen a couple of episodes yeah. in the newsroom, and Jeff Daniels had a great opening monologue, and since then, it's given a pretty average performance. Um, and, like, and then even, like, um, the best directing, gliding overall. The breaking, you know, the Breaking Bad season five mid-season finale, you know, the one like with the Crystal Blue Persuasion, that was nominated for best yeah. directing, and it was beat by the first episode of House of Cards, but just because it was directed by David Fincher. Yeah, well, I saw that. The Emmys always have been and always will be a popularity contest. All awards yeah. are, I guess. But I will say that if Cranston, if no, if these the people from Breaking Bad next year. Don't pull a sweep with with the Emmys. Someone's getting M60 and some rice into their house. And the, those will be the Emmy voters who get yeah. that. No, but. To be honest, the, the drama isn't that bad when you see that for how many years in a row now it's like Modern Family been winning like, you know, best no comedy yeah. year in, year out. I mean, and, like, just, and like you see the yeah. five nominees for best supporting actor in a comedy and like four of them are all for Modern Family cast members. And it's like Parks and Recreation has yeah, never bullshit. even been nominated, never mind one. And it's just, I think, I think we can all agree Nick Offerman better win the Emmy. Yeah, he's never even been nominated. That's what we get mad about because the shot is always full with Modern Family actors. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's for a different podcast. We'll, we'll say that for the we'll, yeah, we'll say that for the Emmy podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, you've been listening to Breaking Belt the podcast where we dissect the chemistry of Breaking Bad. I've been Matt. Uh, I've been joined. I've been joined. And we've been joined by... There you go. You just go ahead and say your name. Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, so I guess stay out of our territory at least for another week. Bitch.
Time and out of time, man. 